0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Microsoft slashes nearly 2,000 jobs. January 26, 2024. This is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in just about five minutes. Coming up, the video game industry is trying to outdo their 2023 numbers. Twitch's Plus program looks to put more money in the pockets of some streamers, and we'll check out the week that was in video game news with the Friday replay. Yesterday, about three months after Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion, the tech and video game conglomerate issued massive layoffs to its entire video game division. Head of Xbox Phil Spencer emailed a memo to staff informing them that Microsoft is eliminating 1,900 positions, around 9% of the total 22,000 that work in Microsoft's video game division. Spencer attributed these layoffs to finding several redundancies across Activision Blizzard, ZeniMax, and Xbox Studios, all to ensure Microsoft is aligned for the, quote, best opportunities for growth. Along with the massive layoffs, two Blizzard Entertainment executives are seemingly retiring. Blizzard Entertainment's president Mike Yabara is leaving Blizzard with plans to travel and spend more time with his family. And Alan Adham, one of Blizzard's co-founders and chief design officer, is leaving Blizzard to pursue an academic position. Replacements for both positions will be announced sometime next week. With these departures, Microsoft was a bit candid about their restructuring, revealing that they canceled Project Odyssey, which was supposed to be a survival base-building game of some kind based on a new IP. Staff on that project were either moved to another Blizzard team or were let go in these recent layoffs. Overall, this round of layoffs at Microsoft was predestined when the ink dried on the ActaBlizz deal. Historically, massive consolidation like this has always led to the convenient finding of redundancies within the workforce. Riot Games and Microsoft's layoffs this week topped the news cycle. However, there were seven other studios that laid off significant portions of their staff or shut down entirely. The other seven include Behavior Interactive, the Dead by Daylight developer who cut 45 staff. CI Games, the Lords of the Fallen developer, laid off approximately 30 people or 10% of their workforce. Take-Two Interactive laid off approximately 10 staff from their support studio, 31st Union. Korean developer NCSoft shuttered subsidiary EntrySoft, terminating almost 70 staff. Korean developer Netmarble FNC shuttered their blockchain subsidiary Metaverse World, affecting approximately 70 staff. People can fly, the developer of Outriders let go 30 people, and Embracer Group cut 50% of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the last Ronin developer Black Forest Games, affecting approximately 40 staff. Each and every studio and parent company cited some form of business plan refocusing as the reason for these layoffs, stressing it was necessary to preserve business strength and stability. Look, we're 26 days into Twenty four and over twenty five studios have laid off approximately fifty eight people. To put that into perspective, the video game industry laid off an estimated 11,000 people total in 2023, meaning the video game industry has already cut half of the jobs it did in the last year in just 26 days, signaling that 2024 is indeed going to be a very bad year for job stability in the video game industry. Yet, the truly maddening thing about these recent layoffs is that there hasn't been one executive to get a pink slip. Not even a murmur of executive pay cuts, showing once again that workers are the ones to have to subsidize executive failures with their livelihood. Twitch published a new blog post this week announcing that they are expanding the Partner Plus program. To refresh your memory, the Partner Plus program was implemented back in October, allowing partners to get the 70-30 revenue share on subscriptions if they hit an arbitrary qualification of maintaining 350 subscribers for three months. Twitch also limited the 70-30 revenue share to the first $100,000 made with subscriptions per year. Though with this week's changes, the Partner Plus program is losing the partner in its name, becoming the Plus program. The new Plus program is slated to release on May 1st, expanding the program to affiliates. Twitch is also adding another level to the system, making a 60-40 revenue split partners and affiliates will have to maintain 100 subscribers for three months in order to qualify. The subscription threshold for 70-30 was reduced from 350 subscribers to 300 subscribers. On top of expanding the pool of qualified streamers, Twitch also eliminated the $100,000-a-year cap. Overall, these changes to the Plus program are a net positive for the best-performing channels. Though, with how turbulent Twitch has been with platform changes, I would be cautiously optimistic. There really is no guarantee that Twitch won't change this new Plus program between now and May 1st. All right, it's Friday, and this is normally where we would check out a podcast review. But we don't have a new one. And honestly, thank you, because I'm exhausted this week. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, or Amazon, and let us know what you think of the show. We'll read it here on Fridays. All right, with it being Friday, let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday Replay. Microsoft held its annual developer Direct last Friday, and similar to last year's developer Direct, Microsoft showcased five games. However, unlike last year, none of these games shadow dropped the same day as the presentation, like Hi-Fi Rush did. Getting into the games though, Obsidian revealed a little bit more about Avowed, which is essentially Obsidian's take on Skyrim with better graphics. Avowed is slated for some time in the fall. The next game shown off that I'm really looking forward to is Ninja Theory's Senua Saga Hellblade 2 the continuation of Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Hellblade 2 seems to be delving even deeper into Senua's mental state as she struggles with psychosis in Viking-era Iceland. Senua's saga Hellblade 2 is releasing on Xbox, PC, and Game Pass on May 21st. Oxide, the developer mostly composed of former Civilization 5 developers, showed off more Era, history untold. By the way, that's A-R-A, not E-R-A. Era is billed as a typical 4X strategy game-like civilization, though with added systems to make the world feel more alive. Era History Untold is slated for a fall release. Microsoft's fourth game was an actual reveal despite it being leaked during the FTC vs. Microsoft antitrust lawsuit last year. Bethesda's Machine Games is working on a first person action adventure game called Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. This new Indiana Jones game is set between Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade, and it looks to be a lot of Nazi-whipping and puzzle-solving as Troy Baker voices the eponymous Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Great Circle has a tentative 2024 release date. The last game shown off was Visions of Mana, Square Enix's next entry into the Secret of Mana series, marking the first time since 2006 a mainline Mana game has been released. For the most part, the presentation went over how meticulously Square Enix is trying to keep Visions of Mana in line with the rest of the Mana series, but you're just going to have to trust them on this because the reveal trailer failed to delve into any of those systems or story in Visions of Mana. Visions of Mana is slated for release sometime this summer. Though, it should be noted that unlike other games in this presentation, Visions of Mana is not releasing on Game Pass. Overall, Microsoft's developer Direct was pretty average. There were a couple of great-looking games like Hellblade and Indiana Jones. Avowed and Era History Untold are pretty niche, but will find their dedicated following. Square Enix's Vision of Mana, on the other hand, might suffer from the exclusivity deal with Microsoft, potentially leading to yet another game that's QueryNix executives will deem underperforming, despite taking a deal that limits their pool of potential customers. GamesIndustry.biz compiled several anonymous accounts from industry leaders surrounding the current state of the video game industry. Consensus among publishers, developers, and investors is that the video game industry is heading into, quote, two years of pain. Industry leaders cite the reasons, such as high interest rates, oversaturation of the video games market, and cautious investments that are leading to the current trend of restructuring, layoffs, and even entire studio closures. One video game CEO was emphatic about the closures, stating that, quote, "...there are just too many unprofitable businesses in video games." The venture capitalist that GamesIndustry.biz interviewed also attributed a lot of investors' hesitancy to several external factors, such as government overspending during the pandemic and compounding factors such as Russia unjustly invading Ukraine, noting that these external factors will likely take years to normalize before the industry will fully recover. Despite these bleak justifications for mass layoffs and studio closures, there is still an air of optimism with industry leaders citing that video game businesses are built on very solid foundations and will weather this current economic turbulence. Now, look, many will use these justifications as excuses for the continued mass layoffs and studio closures in the video game industry. However, to me, this looks like businesses are punishing labor for executives' failure to navigate the current economy. Riot Games, the developer of League of Legends, laid off approximately 11 percent of its workforce this week, amounting to a total of 530 employees. Riot CEO Dylan Jadeja issued a statement addressing the massive layoffs, explaining that Riot Games made a huge bet on gaming back in 2019 and over the next five years doubled their workforce. However, according to Jadeja, many of those bets didn't pay off, making Riot Games "quote unsustainable, which is the main reason why Riot Games is now laying off most of the Legends of Runeterra team, as well as shutting down their Riot Forge Publishing label that focused on League of Legends spin-off games. Riot Forge will release League of Legends Tale on February 24th before the publishing arm is shut down entirely. Unlike most of the layoffs that we've covered so far this year, Riot did disclose how much severance they're giving affected employees, which includes six months of severance, a cash bonus, and, quote, extensive support. Extensive support supposedly includes a potential work computer, job placement services, and health insurance. Overall, the video game industry has settled on using the excuse that they expanded too quickly over the last three years in order to cut labor, despite analysts and the data showing that video game spending in those three years wasn't rapidly expanding, but slowly plateauing. And video game spending slowed because inflation, by the way caused by corporate greed, ate up most people's disposable income. Last November, Activision Blizzard announced at BlizzCon the end of the Overwatch League. This decision came after another year of dipping viewership and no return on investment for team owners. Seeing the impending litigation nightmare, ActaBlizz gave teams two options, continue the Overwatch League how it is, or take a $6 million payout and dissolve the franchising model. Owners obviously went with the latter option, which left Overwatch's Esports scene in limbo for the last couple of months. However, this week, Blizzard announced their partnership with the Saudi owned ESL to put on the new Overwatch Championship Series. The Overwatch Championship Series looks to be a return to a traditional esports format with open qualifiers, main events, majors, and finals. The OWCS will be divided into three divisions Asia, North America, and Europe, with Middle East and North Africa region included. Each division will have their own qualifiers and main events. The mid-season majors and finals will be international events held at DreamHack Dallas and DreamHack Stockholm, respectively. Now, look, this format change for Overwatch Esports is a net positive for the scene. However, Overwatch Esports still has some pretty significant challenges ahead of it, with the biggest challenge just being the current state of Overwatch 2. While the shift to free-to-play has brought in new heroes, maps, and modes to Overwatch 2, the professional and ranked Overwatch player base fell off from both the game and Twitch viewership. Other issues include China's entire Overwatch player base being unable to legally play Overwatch due to Activision Blizzard's deal with NetEase falling through. The last issue that I'm going to touch on here is that the Overwatch Championship Series is run by ESL. ESL was acquired by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund via their gaming subsidiary called Savvy Games Group for $1 billion. Meaning the Overwatch Championship Series is directly backed by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's blood money, marking yet another esports scene desperately propping themselves up with investments from a country whose human rights record is one of the worst on the planet, jailing and honor-killing LGBTQI individuals, severely restricting women's rights, and butchering journalists who criticize the atrocities. That's, sadly, what esports is shacking up with to survive during this quote-unquote esports winter. All right, well, that's it for this week in Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back next week for even more video game news. Follow us on TikTok at Let's Play Gaming News and leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, and Amazon. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Blue Sky at LloydFFXI. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate NateBenderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash